Hello, hello, hello. You are listening to a very chaotic episode of YouTube of our YouTube and Love Or with Evo Byrne and Lucy Holmes, or Lucy Holmes and Evo Byrne, depending which way you like us. Um, we have been facing nothing but tech problems this evening. I was like, I'm gonna be ready. I'm gonna be ready ten minutes before. I'm gonna have all of the monitors going the right way and everything being outputted through the right thing. And then Mixer was like, mm -hmm. No, Queen, that's not happening. I couldn't hear Eva. And then when I finally could hear Eva, Eva couldn't hear me. Um, so, so we're just Mixler, and I was just trying yeah. to lip read what Lucy was saying. And Mixler commits war crimes. That's all I'm saying. Um, you didn't hear it from me. Homophobic, you know. Yeah, like it was a hate crime. Allegedly, um. allegedly, Mixler, don't sue me. Um, oh I don't know God. why that was happening, but anyway, we are here. Uh, very late, but we are here nonetheless. Anyway, I hope everyone's having a good week. Eva, how are it's you? I, I like so it's been like what three weeks since we've recorded a live episode mm -hmm. and Jesus it feels like the longest three weeks in, in my entire life because like let's get let's do a play by play in the first week um, I managed to achieve the worst hangover I've ever gone through um, like I got I'm proud sick of you in my sleep like I got sick in my sleep it okay maybe not bad. so proud of you <laughs> I got sick in my sleep after I attended an event um, to do it college and it was for the SUNT election and I got so hammered that I did a lip sync to WAP and I can't remember a single thing that happened um, well I would like to jump in here iconic. and say say I can and by god was it iconic it was a dream to watch I was like this is a dream come true like obviously this was all online all over zoom but watching Evo Byrne lip syncing to WAP what like, more could I, you want in your life? I woke up the next morning, like I haven't drank alcohol since and I don't think I ever will again because it was just, it, I, it was horrific. It was a tequila hangover, don't drink tequila, you will live and regret it. I'm, a, I'm, like, I'm addicted to uh, frozen margaritas so it's just kind of, it spiraled out of control. Suddenly I was doing the WAP and yeah, and life goes on. Then the week after I got another UTI, magic. Stunning. We, we live, we move. And then this we week, move. Um, has just been trying to do assignments and trying to catch up on everything, um, which yeah, has been my... I, I am so, so, so behind on literally everything. And I've been emailing all of my lecturers being like, please, please let me just, just one more day of extension. Just one more day, please. I'm having a mental breakdown here. I'm like, you can it join is... in with a mental breakdown, but like, <laughs> just, just please, just five more it minutes. Is... It's so much harder for some reason, and I think it is generally because we don't have the same resources available to us, and it's so hard to actually stay on track and, and do things, especially if you don't have a set schedule. And I think we're all, like, I, I, I don't know a single person whose life is actually put together at the moment. Like, it is horrendous. No. no, and I think the thing is, is that we've hit the one-year mark of, like, being in lockdown, being in a pandemic. And fucking and Michael I, Martin's drinking them vaccines like Actimels, I've heard. I know. Don't, don't even get me started on that. And, like, without dwelling on it too much, like, I think it's come to the point where, like, when we started this, there was light at the end of the tunnel. There was hope. We were doing this for a reason. We were like, okay, two more weeks, two more weeks, two more weeks. We knew where we were going. Now we don't know. It's always like, oh, lockdown could end in December yeah. at this rate. Well, like, we, we kind of know. Um, only if our government would actually get their shit together. Plus, this whole uh, vaccine um, uh, slash mandatory quarantine situation, I, I have many thoughts. I can't say them because I'm currently employed by a certain hotel group, um, but we will probably do an expose podcast 
once I do leave the establishment. I can't wait to catch COVID and work. I'm really excited. Personally. Oh God! Oh, I just the thought of it. Oh, I just, like. I know. I feel like everyone's been talking about it. Everyone's been saying it, but it's the fact that like they're like maybe we'll bring in quarantine for people traveling from abroad in now. A year later, and a year too late. It's such a weird group. The group of people as well, because the UK and the US aren't on the hotel quarantining group. The US, the US is not on the mandatory quarantine list because it's all political bullshit. Um, it's just it's so hard, isn't it, to actually adhere to guidelines like we have been, but it is so hard to actually stay, you know, at, uh, what, socially conscious, I guess, because it's like, what's the point? If yeah. um, if the government is just not doing its job, like the borders are still open, the schools are open, they're not enforcing quarantine, they're not enforcing lockdown, they're not actually checking people at airports. There's only a 200 euro difference between staying in a hotel versus being caught of not uh, going into quarantine. The chances of you actually getting a prison sentence are really low. Like nothing in this country is actually heavily enforced. And that's why we're in such a shit condition at the moment. Yeah, like, I'm going to preface this statement with, um, obviously, I do not support um, anyone or anybody or anything breaking, like, mm-hmm. COVID restrictions, breaking lockdown restrictions. But at the same time, like, I'm at the point now where I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah. I don't support it, but I just don't have the energy in me anymore to be like, stop. Because we're at a point now where it's like, what's the point? Like, the cases yeah. are still rising every day. We're in lockdown. There's no, like, foreseeable end to this. Every day we're told, oh, actually, it's going to end. Like, we were told what? It's going to end at the end of March. Then it's going to end at the end of April. Then it's going to em- end no mid-April. Then May. And there's nothing. There's no clarity. There's no... We're, we're they communicate... relationship with the government. Like, they just keep promising us that it's going to get better. And we have no fucking choice. <laughs> I know. Oh, like, Jesus. fuck off. It's so, like, I, I love those, there was a tweet that went out today and it was like, if I ever see Stephen Donnelly in person, it's like, you better run, egg. And I'm just like, too true. <laughs> yeah, there, there is, like, if I could pick a person in the government to fight, I think it would be Stephen Donnelly. I don't know about you, but I definitely think, you know, I just, <laughs> I wonder if you split his head open, there's yolks in it. You know? <laughs> Well, let's not test that out because I'm not getting sued by Stephen Donnelly for threatening violence. For legal reasons, that was all a joke. No one's going to be injured or harmed. Um, please don't sue me, Stephen Donnelly. That is all I ask. Um, but on that note, on that note of toxic relationships with the government, today's episode is all about toxic relationships. And we did do one about this a few weeks ago and it got a lot of traction mm-hmm. and we got a lot of responses. And we were like, you know what? A part two is needed. And I think it's mm. something like, I think quarantine has also made us all very aware of like, oh, actually, the the people that we were surrounding ourselves with, like they, they weren't, they weren't it. You know, I yeah, I feel like you have that time. Yeah, time. you have that time to step back and go, okay, maybe this situation is toxic. Maybe this person is toxic. Maybe I'm the toxic one. I mean, I definitely have had moments where I've been like, oh no, actually, that behavior is extremely toxic and. <sighs> As much as I can about quarantine, quarantine, the, the one, and this is probably the only good thing I can say about quarantine, is that quarantine gave me the space to reflect on a lot of the relationships around me, and it mm-hmm. strengthened a lot of them, but, like, it also made me realise that, like, 
a lot of the friendships I have and the, a lot of the friendships that matter to me, they, like, you don't have to talk to these people every day. You don't have to see these people every day. Um, and it's mm. still the same. And I think that's so important. And I think you kind of know that in the back of your head, but it's not till it's put to the test that you're definitely sure, like, oh, this friendship will withstand the test of time as such. And I've been very lucky that almost all of the friendships I had going into quarantine, I will hopefully have coming out of quarantine. Unless someone, I mean, I'm not saying anyone should pick a fight. But I hate this <laughs> If you want so to, <laughs> if you want to, now's the time. I mean, it would be, it would be a pretty good story. It'd be pretty dramatic. Um, just get a few hey bestie texts after this. <laughs> hey bestie, uh, so never talk to me again. And I'd be like, you know what? That's so valid. You know what? Mm-hmm. Go you. I'd be like, hashtag girl boss, like do your thing. Um, anyway, besides the point, I think. Besides the Everyone at some point in their life has experienced a toxic relationship of some form, whether it's mm-hmm. romantic, whether it's platonic, whether it's just like an acquaintance that's really toxic. It happens. It could be mm. your maths teacher. I mean, my maths teacher. Mm. Actually, no. My maths teacher was lovely. Maths itself, <laughs> very toxic. Um, yeah, shout out to my maths teacher. She encouraged me to do higher level, even though I would cry in every single one of her classes. Queen. Oh my gosh. I'm sure she's listening right now. But when it comes to toxic relationships, I think that, like, I definitely have been mulling over them for the past while because thinking about, you know, what's life going to be like when we go back and really we'd ask our audience, you know, what they think of toxic, uh, like, relationships and friendships and if they can be saved. And I think my favorite response was, with toxic people, you will die waiting for them to change. Take care of yourself and get out as soon as you can. I think that's true because like it's not if you actually show them that you're not going to put up with the behavior I think they are more likely to change I think if you just like move away from them um you will hopefully they will hopefully change for the better I can kind of see like that mantra but um someone else was talking about oh you know because someone's toxic doesn't mean you necessarily have to cut them out like they could be going through something but I think that's the sign of an empath really if you're if you're thinking about how the toxic person feels more than yourself see me and my mother of all people have had a lot of conversations about this that mm-hmm. i like through the years i've had a lot of friends that would do really horrible things or like treat me poorly or just not be great friends and i'm not saying i'm innocent of that either i've we all have definitely had moments where we just aren't the best friend in the world um and i know like look happens to the best of us anyway besides the point me and my mother were talking about it and my mother made a really good point and that point was okay yes they're going through a hard time that explains why they're acting this way that explains what they're doing but that doesn't excuse it because yeah. what my what my mom always says to me she she's always like lucy whenever you're going through a good time you would never like if you you would never lash out at someone like that yeah you might be you might be a bit grumpy you might be a bit quieter you might not talk as much but you wouldn't lash out at someone and I understand that people experience things differently and react to things differently but like at the end of the day going through something doesn't excuse poor behavior it might explain it but it doesn't excuse it it's not Mm -hmm. like it's not my responsibility at the end of the day you're not responsible for anyone else's emotions and if they're treating you poorly and affecting your own mental health your own welfare I think it's okay to say, yeah, I understand you're going through a shit time, but I, mm-hmm. I need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like that's that's so true, and I think 
even realizing that you need that step back is often I think that's the breaking point in most friendships because I don't think I think if something's generally going well or generally good for you I don't think you necessarily need to take that time off like I don't think any friendship should feel like a job or feel like you you shouldn't feel responsible for your friends first and foremost I don't think you should feel you have to watch everything that they do and make sure that they treat you well because that's not a friendship you're basically their parent um like it is though and like and then with when it comes to everything as well it's I think it's so hard to leave a friendship as well because often like with a relationship you often build towards the future but a friend a friend is just is just an instrumental part of your life where they're part of your routine like a relationship you make room for but a friendship you've never had to necessarily make room for it because it's always kind of existed um like the like i've had long-term friends who turned toxic and then i had a, I had a short-term friend who turned especially toxic and lucy knows all about that um but it's just it's so much when you actually have to make this overhaul of your life because it's like if they're almost part of your personality I think especially like childhood secondary school type friends they they were so intrinsic to your life and how you you acted and went and what parties you went to I think it can be especially super hard to actually let go of it all you know and I think like friendship breakups I think is it's one of those things that I think is very hard for the fact that people aren't as empathetic towards it mm. when you break up with like your boyfriend your girlfriend your people significant take sides other, yeah in the in a relationship people are like, like but also people understand like going through a breakup is a tough time whereas when like you have a scrap with one of your friends or you stop talking or they treat you poorly people are like oh just get over it oh you're just being sensitive because they don't understand that especially, it has... especially i feel if it's between two women it's yeah kind of oh definitely definitely it's always framed as a catty thing and like the thing is sometimes friendships just don't work that's fine sometimes people grow and change and that happens that is okay Mm -hmm. but like that doesn't that doesn't mean it needs to be dismissed it doesn't mean Mm. a the relationship was invalid in any way that friendship was invalid but b it doesn't mean like some things just run their course some things just like Mm. live their time like i have a lot of people that have left my life and it is better that they are not part of my life now but at the time Mm. it was important that they were part of my life and i think growing up means sometimes you will outgrow people or people will outgrow you and I think people are very like I don't know in relationships it's much easier to be like okay I understand you're upset you lost your your significant other you were connected at the hip but why is a friend any different yeah a a friend is even more important because a friend is normally the person that actually picks you up after a relationship Mm -hmm. they're there for you when you're grieving they're there for you for momentous life events Friends are more likely to have been in your life longer than a romantic partner, unless you're extremely lucky and you found the love of your life when you were born. Um, but <laughs> it's just like, it's so sad when I look back on these friendships because I generally thought I was happy. Um, and like, we've asked our audience as well that like toxic friendship stories, but I'm going to open this segment with like, like I was reminiscing on one. And so really... Like it was fine, but the the fallout it was it was so long because I hate I hate it in friendships when the other person suddenly decides that you're not like joined at the hip anymore, and it's just this this like it's almost like you know you're the thing that holds you together is slowly breaking apart, 
and it's it's such a traumatic experience because you're often left wondering well what's wrong with me like why are they doing this rather than evaluating you know perhaps they're just selfish or a bad person or that they have ulterior motives and I was thinking about like I'm not going to detail everything that happened like it, it was fully one of those friendships I, I feel kind of nauseous knowing that I was so close to them because they, they just, they're not, we wouldn't match up now. We're very different people. We were probably very similar when we were younger, but me as a child and me as an adult are two very different people. And I'm still growing. Like, I still consider myself a child, um, even though I'm turning <laughs> 21 in October. Ah, but it's like, I was thinking, you know, that sometimes I know friendship breakups can be so drawn out and so long. But generally, I don't think I've ever, and, I, and I've been really thinking about this, about like especially when people badmouth each other after the fallout of any relationship. And I was like, oh, I thought I was a bit of a hypocrite because I was like, oh, I've badmouthed people before. And I kind of came to the conclusion, the only reason I've ever badmouthed anyone is because when they genuinely deserved it. You know, like they genuinely did something that was awful to me. And it wasn't necessarily bad mouthing, but it was just genuinely me voicing my trauma. And I think that's something that we all need to consider is that it's not being bitchy. It's not being catty. I think people should be valid in voicing their trauma. And that's why I haven't really talked about this with anyone ever. But um, I was having a conversation with one of my friends who isn't involved in the podcast at all. And he was like, oh, can, like, what's an example of someone being really toxic? Because I'm just thinking about it. And I was like, oh, I had this friend once and we stopped being friends post-secondary school. It just, it turned like pretty bad. Like we just didn't talk. Um, We would have been very, very close. And then I found out from a a business type acquaintance that they had (laughs) told this acquaintance that I was faking my mental illness, that I'd never been in a psychiatric ward that I had lied to everyone in my school that I was in a psychiatric ward and that any any form of like, you know, mental illness, self-harm, anything, I'd faked it all. And I was like, baby, I wish I was that good of an actress. I would have an Oscar by now. And I was like, it was one of those things where I was like, how the fuck do I prove that I did, like, do you want my medical records? What do you want from me? Like, why would you actually... Oh and, like, and I was like, I actually could never have the, the gall and the gumption to fucking go around and be like, oh, this person faked their mental illness. Because I think that's one of the silver bullets of, like, today's society, where if someone has faked mental illness or anything around it, a lot of people lose respect for them. And I was like, yeah. you could have said something like that I am a bit mean sometimes or that, you know, I'm a bit socially awkward or something valid and true or something that I had done in the past like a bad breakup or something that would have been completely valid and I would have put my hands up but I wanted to punch this person in the face when I found out that and like I found this out over text as well um months later and I had actually gone up to this person as well and apologized for us stopping talking to each other and everything and it was just one of those moments where I was like, oh, the fucking neck. Like, that, the Ethan McGregor voice note. It's like, the neck of you going behind my fucking back. No, and no like, like that. Like, what? That, what? That's genuinely, like, like, one of the things that terrifies me the most. Like, anyone that knows me knows that 
Okay, yeah, I have a podcast where I overshare in air quotes, but I do keep a lot of myself very, very close to my chest. Mm-hmm. Like, Eve's very aware of this. Like, I don't, I'm very, very, very slow to share things. Like, you're it's not going to be a ton of mojo, I got fucked with a toothbrush type person. Like, you're, you're no, very not. No, I mean, more power <laughs> to her and more power to that toothbrush, but that ain't me. You know, I, <laughs> I keep things very close to my chest because that is genuinely one of my fears. Someone is like, because, like, I, I know myself and I know a lot of people that suffer with any kind of illness, any kind of men- mental illness, anything along those lines. Um, can often feel like, oh my god, I'm lying about this, this is not true. Like, people with chronic illnesses as well. Because they'll often be told, like, just, like, get over it. Same with mental illness. Just get over it. And that, it is that, there is that feeling, that sinking feeling within you. Maybe I am just lying about it. So, mm. I know, like, like, to have someone turn around and tell you that, oh, actually, everything you've done, you you lied about, everything that happened yeah. isn't true. Like, all of this stuff, like, is so hurtful. Because the thing is, is that, like, you, to, like, like prove yourself and, like, go, hey, no, this did happen. Like, you have to, like, be really public about really private things, which is not fair, mm. first of all. But second of all, it when you do do that, people are like, oh, well, you're just doing that for attention now. And it's, mm-hmm. like, it's, like, that, I think that's, like we talk about being like really like mental health positive and we talk about being like oh yeah no like we're we care for the people around us but like and and talking about being mental health positive the exact kind of person who would post about create a house be kind all that shit and i was like so you're gonna go and insinuate that someone and like not that i'm like oh it's obvious i'm extremely mentally ill but you know eh, sometimes very I mean, and I'm, and she's I she's friends it. with me. She's friends with me. So, um, <laughs> I no, don't but like, hide it. I was just like, what the fuck? I like, what the fuck? You know? I was thinking about this recently because I know it and I see it in people around me where they will quickly like, I'm not gonna say jump on a trend because that's not fair. That's not true either. But they will they happily share well, things. But sometimes, yeah. it's performative. They mean well and they will share things and they will donate to resources and they will do this, that and the other and they genuinely mean it and they'll always tell you, yes, I'm here for you, yes, I understand. But the thing is, we only understand mental health or mental illness for that matter in the abstract. It's not a real quantitative thing for us. When we see someone with a broken leg, we can understand, okay, their leg is snapped, the bone is broken. But uh, like, people can't quite co- quantify what it what it means to be like mentally ill and i think the problem is is that a lot of a lot of the words we use today especially around mental illness have kind of fallen into like our common lexicon so like saying like i have anxiety mm-hmm. there is a distinct difference between having an anxiety disorder and experiencing anxiety everyone yeah. experiences anxiety it is a natural it's emotion it happens yeah. to us you before you go into a in an exam it's natural to be very anxious before you go up to speak about something it's natural to be anxious it is a natural part of our human emotions yeah having an anxiety disorder is very different and we get that mixed up and it's the same with being sad and depressed like it is natural or to feel sad about things yeah and it's like people like people are like oh i'm having a i'm having a mental breakdown and i'm like but but you're not you're not having a mental breakdown and that's not invalidating someone's experience no, because i like, i know and i like of like mental sound soundness um and have a form of breakdown i believe that is like mm-hmm. completely valid but i do think that like crying and like you know 
like that's it's valid to have like a moment where you were extremely upset but i do think that a lot of the time when i say i have a breakdown like i mean hysterics i mean something far worse so it's just like this whole conversation about mental health and how yeah and like and and, and it's, uh, what i really want to say with all of this is that like you can be mentally ill and not be a toxic friend or person because i feel like there's this weird um like a like a like a, almost a, a coincidental thing where people link you know a friend being depressed with them being a bad friend and it's you know and like i like that is that is a huge problem as well is that people are very like oh i am like if you mental illness i'm here to help i'm here to do xyz but it's the fact that people don't fully understand something like depression depression is like a, a good example depression works on people in very different ways for some people they just feel completely numb for some people they're completely high functioning everything's fine everything's normal but on the inside like something's off for some people it's i can't get out of bed i can't shower i can't speak to my friends i can't do this and the thing is people are very like quick to look down on people say oh well it's your fault for not reaching out oh well it's your fault for not doing this but when you don't have the mental energy to do that that's a that's a completely different story and people are very quick Mm. to like go oh well you're just a bad friend because you didn't text me back and i'm like sometimes sometimes people are physically incapable of doing that and i think a problem we have a lot is that we are kind of in this like bubble now where everything is like really positive like and like we have body positivity and this positivity and that positivity whereas like i think we need to move towards neutrality this is something i'll talk about all the time i'm kind of going off about three different tangents here but i'll get to my point we need to move to neutrality for the fact that we are constantly told we have to be positive about everything. We have to be positive about these things. We have to feel great about everything at all times. So that when we do genuinely feel an emotion that is anyway negative, we're like, oh my God, I must have something wrong with me. Which is not mm. true. To feel sad is completely ho- human. To cry is completely human. Like, to feel anxious is completely natural. It's, it's something we developed as a defense, as a human being, in order to survive. There is a difference. Like, the thing is, people think any bad emotion is inherently wrong which is completely incorrect it's when these bad emotions consistently and persistently affect your quality of life and your ability to live like if you have a bad day like if you're, you're really sad one day and it's just like you're you're not able to do a lot that day because you're feeling really sad you're feeling really low that's one thing if you are consistently having a bad day to the point where you can't function as a human being anymore that's a problem mm. like crying i think it's very like that's Oh, I'm like a broken record, but it's something I feel so passionately about is that we are always told to be positive, to be happy, to be wonderful, but that's not human. There's a full range of emotions. It's natural to feel angry about things. It's natural to feel sad. It's natural to cry. It's like, that's the thing is that like, I was at a funeral. It was natural for me to cry and it was cathartic and it was fine because that's the emotion you feel in that moment. But it's also fine if you don't cry. Some people don't react like that. People process things differently. And I think we very much like feel like we need to have like rationale for all of our emotions, otherwise there's something wrong with us. And I think that's what causes a lot of our problems is that because when someone says, I'm depressed, people go, well, I was sad and I was fine. I was able to get on with things. Why aren't you? And I think that's where a lot of it stems from is that these things are abstract to people. They think being sadness is depression. So when I say, hey, I can't do things, I'm severely depressed, they go, well, I was sad. I was depressed in air quotes last week. I was fine. You should be able to do these things too, but it doesn't work like that. 
and on that as well like even if you were experiencing something even if you were going through something and one of your mates comes forward and says hey i was i was this that and the other i was going through this that and the other and you go hey when i went through that i was fine people internalize things differently people react to things differently like i don't know i'm just going on tangents i don't even know if i'm making sense anymore but it's something that just really upsets me is this fact that we are constantly told we have to be positive we have to be perfect we have to be the certain way to be a good friend to be a good person and if you're deviating from that you are bad you are a bad friend you're a bad person you have failed and it's your fault because i also had this that and the other and i was fine so why aren't you and i think that's why like that's why we hear like a lot of people go oh well such and such was faking that because i went through that and i was fine but you i don't know i'm just repeating i'm a broker record it's it was like as well a scenario where because i had gone through a mental blip probably at the start like i went through another episode like depression state in like uh september to the year end i would say november of 2020 2019 sorry and yeah like my mental health it, it did subside it, it wasn't necessarily stable but it just felt so invalidating and like a lot of the stories like that we've actually received seem really invalidating there was one person who said that um she said that like that her friend had chosen her boyfriend over me because um no she said that she chose her boyfriend over me after i was there for her after every breakup like that's just it's so bizarre that like people will choose a like short-term relationship over one that has had the time to blossom um and then there was another one that was like um oh oh yeah no but like there was also another one where a, a person had actually faked a eating disorder in order for them to stay friends because like it was a it was a leverage of them being friends um and like it's just it's so weird when people like can use manipulation tactics because reviewing the previous friendships i've been in a lot of them used manipulation tactics and i think that's because i felt that i couldn't not be friends with them because i empathize with them on the mental illness level i don't know if you've also gone through that but it's definitely something that i have realized um in retrospect that a lot of people can weaponize emotional manipulation to a point where you're just blinded to it i guess yeah like i think that's something i'm also very mindful of and particularly when i have a disagreement with someone this is where for me this is what marks people as a good friend or someone i need to avoid in my life if i'm having a disagreement with someone and i mean just a disagreement i don't mean it's like a massive scrap and someone's like yeah we just had a little disagreement no i mean like an actual disagreement we don't agree on something we it's something small something that doesn't matter something menial i'm always very careful not in the way that i'm like dissecting people but i'm always very careful to see how they respond to it because if people walk in and go and start like weaponizing either their emotions against you or your emotions against you that's when we get onto rocky rocky territory because i just don't think that's fair and i feel like tonight i'm not being very eloquent like words seem to like be failing me today but i think weaponizing people's emotions against them and i don't mean that like if someone upset you you are allowed to express hey that really really upset me that really hurt me that made me cry that's allowed but when someone but says like internalizing it and bring it up to another argument 
you know yeah like i like there, a lot of people will like will, will, will keep all this in and especially i i was I, it's so horrendous i was once in an argument with someone um over something really menial and small and they insinuated that because um they were, they had said after everything i've done for you you repay me with this and it was one of those lines where i felt like i was in a fucking like medieval movie and my head was on a chopping block like i was like what the what the fuck is like it's like you you never owe someone anything unless it's like money even then i'm not a picky friend when it comes to that because people have different scenarios it's like no one owes you their friendship or you know anything and i think it's it's something that a lot of people need to realize before starting any form of new relationship you don't owe anyone anything you don't owe anyone like physical affection you don't owe anyone sex you don't owe anyone like any like probably you owe probably to be nice because that's just being a decent human being but you do not owe anyone anything at the point that you need to limit what you do to make them happy because that is control um unless there's like a completely valid reason behind it you know like you know they're you're friends with their abuser or something and you know it's necessary but like like control within relationships is something that i think a lot of people don't realize is there you know and i just it makes me so uncomfortable when someone tries to control what i do you know i know like i'm gonna talk about like older stories stories from when i was a lot younger so they're like not they're kind of not very personal to me anymore because i feel like it's kind of everything sorry it's kind of something that everyone kind of goes through but like when i was younger i was friends with this group of people and i don't want to be like oh i fell into the bad group because that's not true it's not really like that but at the same time a lot of what they did and a lot of how they presented themselves and a lot of how they went around like shaped how i acted and like I never really understa- understood the like phrase, you reflect the people you surround yourself with until I left that situation. I went, hold on. These things I did, that wasn't me. That was, mm-hmm. like, that was me trying to like play the part in this group. That was me trying to impress people or stay on someone's good side. And that is not like, that is not healthy. And sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. And I feel like it's such a secondary school thing. We are like, oh, well, I want to be cool, so I'm going to do this. And you do something really stupid because everyone else is doing it. And I know it's that line that your mother tells you, like, well, if your mate jumped off a cliff, would you join them? Like, when you're 13, yes. Yes, I would. If it means I would stay mates with the cool kids, I would jump off that cliff. And I think anyone who says otherwise, I don't know. I don't know if I believe you. Like, I know growing up that there was a lot of decisions that, in retrospect, not that I regret, I don't regret anything, I think it's, I think I am the person I am now because of all of those mistakes I made, but in retrospect, they're not decisions I made for myself, they were decisions I felt I had to make, otherwise I'd lose everything that was important to me, and the things that are important to me and have always been are my friends, and I'm a very loyal person, I'm like, my mom's my always like, you're like a little golden retriever, um, like a loyal dog, um, she's like you always come back and you always have the patience and you always like will try and fix things and she's like there comes a point where you you can't do that anymore Mm. and sometimes it's easier to just step back just go away and like that's that i feel like that's a lesson you have to learn when you grow up and i'm glad i learned it and i my mother always says like i'm sorry you have to learn it the hard way but at the same time it's a very important lesson to learn that if people 
if you're not comfortable, if you're not truly yourself around the people you call your friends, then they're not really your friends. Mm-hmm. It's just a performance. Mm-hmm. There's this really good story we got about like actual tactics of emotional manipulation, and it was my friend kept calling me in the night when I was asleep, and the next morning she'd be like, "Oh, never mind, I don't want to talk about it." And clearly, each time. I'd be used as a punch bag. She would never ever explain why she was upset to me and only talk about really trivial stuff. The elephant in the room got too big and I was bored and honest about it being there. So I broke it off and still think about her every day, but I can't put myself through her irrational behavior with no explanation from her. And like that's that's so valid because like I don't think you should ever be someone's like toy, you know, for their emotions. No, I definitely like that's so toxic. I definitely agree. Like the thing is is that sometimes and I will say it like I, I know I'm a broken record tonight, but we can be the toxic ones too. I could be toxic. Anyone has the capability of being toxic whether or not we realise it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of friendships in my life that I thought would genuinely last forever. And not in like a delusional way where you're thirteen and you're like, Oh my god, we're gonna be best friends forever, we're gonna move in together. These were like solid friendships that I was like, like there's nothing, we've never fought, we've never done anything, we've never even had a minor disagreement. And then mm-hmm. one day, you're just not friends anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's weird, no, like, but it happens. Yeah, no, that that is so valid. Like sometimes you do literally just wake up and realise that, you know, things are bad. And, you know, you, all of you might be wondering at this point, you know, what are our tips to stop a friendship from turning toxic? Um, the number one we got from our listeners is communication. And fully, like, do not be afraid to ask someone, you know, in, like, if, if you're worried that their mental health needs to be touched in a gentle way, hey, is everything okay between us? You know, just wondering, because you've been acting a bit abnormal and I'm not really comfortable with it. Because that's how I would open the conversation. Um, and, like, I feel like that's respectful and that's nice. Um, like, some some people were saying that they can't really, you can't really judge people's behaviour and that, you know, people go through things on their own. But at the same time, I think, you know, a part of a friendship is having a dynamic where you do care about each other. And I do think, you know, that simple question of just being like, well, you know, what what's going on? Because I think being, being open, I think, being open about what you're going through will ultimately feel them feel make them feel more comfortable to tell you about what's going on and hopefully they aren't a toxic person and maybe they're just going through something but yeah and like that's the thing is that i think people misunderstand what it means to communicate because communication doesn't mean like you've told me every nitty-gritty detail of everything that's happening communication could just be like yo i'm having a bad day today sorry if i'm a bit rude or Mm -hmm. i'm having a bad day today heads up and people will suddenly be so much more understanding and so many less fights will happen. And it's something I do with my family a lot. It's where I go, hey, I'm having a really off day today. So sorry if I'm not myself or sorry if I say something rude or just bear with me or I might be a bit slower than usual. And by God, I'd like the fights have like more than halved. They've quartered, they've eighthed, whatever. Like it makes such a big difference. And that was one of the, like, big moments I had where I was like, oh my god, I've grown up because I could communicate these things to people and go, hey, actually, I'm having a bad day. And they go, oh, okay, that's fine. When I was younger, I used to write notes to my family 
Um, I think that's just this first sign of things being tech me being technically like not really a non-verbal piece of argument. Um, maybe people attach to this, but I kind of shut down when it comes to conflict because I don't know how to voice it. But I used to write this as notes, um, which is like a prelude to angry texts I send now, I guess. <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, but definitely, yeah, I fully agree. Just being honest, being open and honest. Um, I also think just reminding yourself, like, you, you, no one owes you anything, and you owe them anything too. There is no context for you forcing me into this uh, friendship or relationship. If you feel like you have to stay, there is something wrong. Yeah. Because it's about balance, baby. Yeah, it is. It's like, me and Lucy hang out all the time because, you know, we're desperately in love. But, you know, I think with any relationship, I have always felt obliged to stay with the person I'm with. And I'm so glad. I'm actually in the first relationship ever where I'm not like I could leave him at any given moment. But <laughs> I do think, I, like, I love him. That's why I'm, I'm with him. But at the same time, I don't feel scared about walking away. And I think that's an ultimate thing if, to evaluate your friendships and relationships. If you are scared about the consequences of it ending other than like oh you'll feel sad that they're not in their in your life if you are scared about what they could do to you that's a bad relationship yeah that's not a healthy relationship but also on that note what i'm hearing is you will leave your boyfriend for me so <laughs> take that lucy won eva's boyfriend zero i win once again <laughs> and on that He's wonderful lovely note yeah i hope he is um because i love him dearly but i'm stealing your girlfriend and you know that i am <laughs> i'm gonna do it and you can't stop me anyway on that note we are at time right now um excuse the fact that this is a bit of a an abridged episode it's a little bit short technical problems and all that buzz we were on a million different tangents but i hope some of that made sense anyway you've been listening to are you two in love or i have been lucy holmes and Eva O'Byrne has, of course, been the wonderful, amazing, lovely, beautiful Eva O'Byrne, as always. Thank you to everyone who listened in live, and thank you to everyone listening back to the podcast. All of my love, always.